0: Today, I wanted to speak about expanding our capacity for feeling and sensing. And, you know, in a way, we could say, you know, the whole, all of the, the guidance I offer, you know, which I've received from other Buddhist teachers. And I think, you know, probably all spiritual teachers is all about our relationship to experience. <clears throat> you know, how can we learn to stay open to our experience as it is without kind of drifting off into thinking? I think that's the essence you know of spiritual practice. Basically you no, know, don't think about the world, but notice the world. Because the world or reality is already, you know, is already doing the job. And it's already displaying to us the laws of nature and the way things are it's just because you know of the cognitive and emotional filters which are the result of our conditioning you know we see things in a way which is distorted and then you know we make stories out of that and become protagonists in those stories and then you know we we get we trip over those stories and it's painful Well, there's a lot of suffering, you know. And in this particular series, you know, which is called the Earth Worm Practice for the Anthropocene, I am looking at this on a more like cultural, global level, you know, how we have gotten ourselves into such a mess with the eco-social challenges and the, you know, basically... Ecosocial crisis you know which is slowly but surely building up and all of us you know notice it in some way or another even you know we are still in very privileged situations as you know white people in the global north but others you know who have contributed much less to the crisis are already implicated by it much more than we are So we are sitting in the midst of a lot of unresolved issues and it's not about, you know, that we're going to fix it or anything, but at least, you know, we we have a certain willingness to attend to it. And I think that's what brings us together in this meeting, you know, the willingness to take it in, you know, take it in 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 portions because, you know, we don't want to be completely overstimulated and traumatized and, kind of break down, that would be not useful. But being willing, you know, to start chewing like an earthworm, you know, just start chewing that which is in front of our nose and then just continuing to um, to um, digest and metabolize. And doing that together is like so much easier because we are creating... Even on Zoom, you know, we are creating like a bigger energetic holding space. And I'm sure you can feel that already, you know. I, don't, I think even it might be unconsciously felt, but something makes you come here because you somehow, you know, know that you are benefiting on one level. And, and that makes me really happy because I certainly benefit from you joining and you know even we are not many people but also gives me a total opportunity you know to to hone my my skills you know to synthesize the material i bring because my intention is you know to use the early buddhist teachings as a foundation which is very sturdy like a real big anchor and then weave in you know the contemporary challenges so that we can experience that the healing power of the teaching inside of these contemporary questions, which are different than they were in Iron Age India, you know, when when the Buddha was walking there and spreading his teaching, they were in principle the same because they were all created by greed, hatred, and delusion, but how they manifested was certainly different, and the zeitgeist was a different one. For example, the position of women and all of those things. There has a lot of change been happening since then. So inside of all of that, I'd like to try, you know, to bring out the healing power of the teaching, how it applies to our times right now. So that we can, you know have a benefit in our own lives, but then also benefit, you know, the life around us and slowly, but surely, you know, become the immune system, which, you know, brings out the next um, level of responsiveness, you know, which we have as, as Homo sapiens, we are a very creative species not in the sense necessary, you know, that we're going to think it all out in our heads, but we can make ourselves into vehicles for that evolutionary intelligence, you know, which is a very creative um, flow, which can be, you know, quote unquote, channeled, you know, by those who, who open themselves to it. Like basically clearing out some space, you know, in the heart, in the mind, and, and inviting that energy to move through us. And I think that's what I'd like to to do. And it may, might sound all a little bit kind of weird, but, but I think it is not something which is out of our reach, you know because it's, it's, a, it's a matter of intention really to invite in this energy, you know, which is is all around us and to invite it in, in order to embody it. And I have, you know, what's called the a local earth room prayer. And there's one sentence which speaks to that very clearly and which I really love. So I rather gonna read it than try to paraphrase this. Here it is. We recognize that the evolutionary force that puts the stars in motion is moving through us and is a dynamic self-organizing process whose grace and guidance we can trust. So it's that evolutionary force whose grace and guidance we can trust. That's, I think, you know, I'd like to invite. And it's the same as the Dhamma anyway. It's just like a different way of naming it, you know, and some call it God, some call it, you know, Allah, and some call it maybe um, Shiva. There are so many different words, you know, but in the end of the day, that's what it is. And, uh In order, you know, to make space for it, we have to just clear out this assumption clear out the conditioning and then invite that in. And, and then you know, see what happens. And that's what I'd like to do with those meditations as well in a more or less, you know, kind of contemporary balance, because that, you know, gives a a, a, um, additional kind of energetic flavor to it which is coming from this time you know and it has a a higher frequency because it's closer to where we are right now i think then if we are trying to connect with something which is very very old we need to i feel um you know take the essence of that old ancient precious teaching, but then close it into contemporary parlance. If we want to really uh, be meeting the times where we are in now. And I think it's always been that way. I know there is a way to preserve the tradition, but also to innovate. And, and those two, they need to go together. To only preserve and not innovate is you know, deadening. And to only innovate and not preserve is going to mix everything up. So we need to have the middle way, you know, where both are working together. New and ancient ways of being. And uh, so today I want to maybe set the tone by reading this poem, which I brought. It's from a woman called Emily Ligren and she lives actually in San Rafael here. To my surprise, I I Googled her and I uh, share a poem with you now. And it's called The News. Each morning we listen for what is breaking The sound of a thousand tragedies fills the air. Shattering that never stops. Headlines, a fleet of anchors tangled at our feet. We watch worried. If we turn away even for an instant, it will all crumble the rest of the way. Forget with me for a moment. Take an unguarded breath. Do it now, the world needs your attention here too. On the rise and fall of your shoulders, the rustle of leaves outside the window, the warm space between your gaze and mine. Do it now, the world needs your attention here too. On the rise and fall of your shoulders, The rustle of leaves outside the window. The warm space between your gaze and mine. So, you know, it always comes back to the middle way. Not getting stuck in extremes. And the middle way is one of the synonyms, you know, how the Buddhist teaching was named. It's called the middle way or the middle paths. And, you know, so how can we expand our capacity for sensing, you know, for that capacity to really be with our sensual experience rather than kept getting carried away, you know, in thinking? And we can see it, you know, when we meditate, when the mind settles, the senses come alive. And what we do notice is, you know, hearing, smelling, seeing, and all of the other sense activities is not something we are doing, but it's something which is just happening. And what I think what we need to do is to expand that capacity so that we can connect, you know, with the web of relationships, with the web of life we are already embedded in, but it, we don't notice it. We feel, you know, we feel disconnected, we feel alone, we feel, you know, unreceived, we feel ungrounded. Even all of that is constantly happening all around us. But there are somehow we, are not, we don't have the capacity to, to sense it. Because our senses have been, you know, some of the senses have been so overstimulated with the news, for example, or with the, the different um, information technology. And, and so much information is flooding us that we have numbed ourselves, you know, against it and desperately looking, you know, for some kind of fulfillment in places where it can't really be found. So if we want to really address this, we need to find back to our senses. And through that, you know, find back into the connection with, with all life around us, you know, like some of our indigenous brothers and sisters, they have preserved That capacity over the centuries because they were protected from being so overstimulated and you know we have uh, you know we have made life into an enormous project of insulating ourselves against nature in a way you know and trying to extract from nature and protecting ourselves against her and in in several ways, you know, that starts to backfire now. You know, and all of those projects we have uh, undertaken, you know, science and technology with very good intentions, probably mostly, you know, but it's starting to backfire because that is not the way to go about things, to try to show ourselves off, to try to, you know, close the door on nature and just allow certain things in and not others and uh, trying to throw things away where there is no way. So we are starting to wake up, you know, that all of that just doesn't add up, you know. It was just a a certain stage, you know, of history and of evolution where we were falling prey to these worldviews because of the way of development where we were then. But now we do understand that is not, that's not doable. This, this uh, approach is backfiring more and more and we need to come out of this. You know, we need to grow out of this. And uh, one way, you know, how that is explained, you know, why we have been living like this is our collective and individual traumas, you know, which we have accumulated over the, over time, you know, they are interrupting the capacity for relationship, because trauma interrupts capacity for relationship, because we shut down. And this is, you know, an intelligent um, response, you know, because shutting down in the face of overwhelm is a very good thing to do. But then, you know, once the situation has passed, if we still embody it, you know, again and again, again and again, and not being able to uh, emerge out of that response, then, then we are just stuck, really. And that's, you know, what we are starting to notice, or some people start to notice, that the way how we live on the planet, the systems we have built, such as capitalism and other systems, patriarchy, that they are like... You know, they are like repeat, repeat, repeat. Even we can see how much mess, you know, they are actually creating and they are no longer really responses which work. We are still stuck in it like a a stuck wheel, you know, repeating, repeating, repeating. And that's, you know, why we need to try to turn on our capacity for sensing because we cannot respond from the, mind only. We have to, through sensing and feeling, we need to understand that we are already embedded in a web of relationships. We don't need to continue to look for fulfillment by trying to control nature. But we need to become team players. And in order for us to be able to do this, we need to our capacity for sensing and have it come online much more fully and that's something we really can do and that's something i try to uh bring out you know through those meditations so basically reacquainting ourselves with the with life as it is you know this the raw vulnerability of life And being okay with that, you know, or training ourselves to be increasingly okay with that. I think that's what I try to work with in these meditations on the Wednesdays in particular. So inviting, you know, really inviting the rawness of life to inform us in a way, you know, to kind of enter our form so that we will respond from a place of much greater embeddedness and connectedness with nature and that we ourselves are part of nature and the way how nature works is just the way how it works. And, uh, you know, we ourselves trying to isolate ourselves against nature is never going to work. It's much better that we're going to become team players, you know, and join in and take it on, take it on. What else is there left to us? So, you know, using the Buddhist meditations and, and applying them in a way of, you know, putting down the defense defenses just one by one through really deeply acquainting ourselves with life as it is and accepting the vulnerability and also seeing, you know, that evolution is actually increasing vulnerability. You know, in the beginning there was like, you know, very simple life forms or, you know, like alligators and turtles, which are much less vulnerable than we are. But they also have less capacity for creativity and opening. And our bodies are incredibly vulnerable. You know, we have very little to protect ourselves. They're very soft bodies and they're very dependent on so many uh, things, you know, being within a certain range so that we can actually survive. But by accepting that vulnerability, we become increasingly invulnerable because, you know, there is the ego becomes smaller and smaller and there's less need for hiding and defending because we are more and more in the flow and we can live from that place and we can allow that flow to manifest through us and be also of benefit So let us now, you know, change over to a meditation posture. You know, and and getting back to the beginning. And we, we don't have to work hard. and can we can just allow you know the breath to take us into the body and let our nervous system guide us You know, with the intention to build our capacity to connect by sensing. First, you know, just sensing our bodies from inside. And that's, you know, Vedana, feeling tone. How does it feel? Pleasant, unpleasant or neutral? Just taking that in. And then, you know, feeling the uh, weight on the cushion or on the chair, the gravitational pull towards the earth, which is our basis. And when the mind is quite still, you know, and the senses come alive, can you sense your deep relatedness to the earth? You know, that's what that uh, exercise is all about. Can we shift our identification from being caught in the thinking mind? And can we come back to something much faster than our individual patterns of thinking? It's like a homecoming, you know? This embeddedness in this much vaster field. This living field of life. which we need to relate to as long as we do have a body. We certainly can cultivate the mind and consciousness, but we also need to work with our bodies. We cannot just work with the mind. We need to work with our bodies as well. And there's a heart, you know, which connects the mind and the body. We can't leave anything out. And in these times, you know, at the end of patriarchy, there's more and more returning back to embodiment. We have, you know, we're coming back, returning back from one extreme. Coming back to the middle. You know, and allowing ourselves to wake up to the fact that we are already embedded. And building another you know, capacity to sense that. Build the connective tissue through repetition. Like learning a skill because it is a skill, it's just like melting the permafrost of defense mechanisms and uh, traumatic materials. Through practicing in this way and through doing it as a group, even a small group, it's it's helpful to co-regulate with others. So, you know, remembering that these bodies of ours, they are like a mounting animal, a riding animal, which we have borrowed from nature. A riding animal for consciousness. So that consciousness can, you know, make experiences and become more open, less crowded with, assumptions, by checking it out, you know, through living in the world with a body, which is nature. So that's not like a little side issue, but this is very central to our existence, the body, and its deep embeddedness. It needs to be investigated and understood. Uh, you know, drawing really close. And taking an interest. So you're feeling the body from inside. And sensing, you know, how it is deeply constantly exchanging with planet Earth in terms of, you know, earth element, water element, fire element wind and space. And the whole thing happens in space. And those elements, you know, which currently make up the body, they have been recycled over and over again. They have been moving through so many bodies, bodies of mountains, trees, whales, any other animals and plants, other human beings. This is such a vast process. you know, with a self-regulating intelligence which we cannot really observe, but we are part of it. We are inside of that process. And that's about... what we need to start to understand. We are not outside of it, looking at it objectively, but we are inside of that process. We are part of it. And we can start, you know, recognizing that by first feeling our bodies from inside, And then somehow, you know, starting to open up and sensing this aliveness in our bodies like a hum. And then, you know, staying with that humming and, uh, you know, listening into the space around the body. You know, the space which is limitless and doesn't end at the walls of this room we are sitting in listening into the space, so to say, or the silence. And I'm noticing there is no real boundaries. This is just all energetic manifestations, which through, the limited capacity of our sense organs, we experience it in a certain way. But then if we go deeper, it starts to be experienced in a different way. You know, when those filters are in abeyance, there's a different experience. Which is as valid as the other experiences and which you know ideally will bring us to the middle path again of you know the buddha saying i do not say that things exist or do not exist i teach dependent origination everything is dependently arisen. And in and of themselves, all phenomena are empty. Empty of a self, empty of an unchanging core. This is why it's so important, you know, to work on the mind. But not a mind which is disembodied, but a mind which is having, you know, different bodies as riding animals, mounting animals, so that there can be experiences which teach us about reality. And you're noticing, you know, if the mind is really open in this way, not, you know, grasping or clinging, sense of subtle contentment or joy might be there. You're noticing that. then we can just you know, let go of the spaciousness and of the silence and become aware of that which knows about the spaciousness and the silence making a kind of a u-turn awareness becoming aware of itself like a mirror becoming aware of its capacity to reflect and resting in that capacity to reflect effortlessly and that's what we call you know the refuge in buddha in buddhism this capacity to reflect to know rather than identifying with or going under. That is the refuge in Buddha. Not in a person, but in this capacity, which we all naturally have, or rather are. And this capacity to reflect creates a lot of space for things to take the natural course and unbind, starting to move again, becoming alive. And to you know to fully be alive would be, you know, un- complete unbinding, and unbinding is one way how the word nibbana is translated. Just, you know, noticing how you feel, you know, as a human being, looking at yourself in this way. Yourself, quote, unquote, so to say. You're seeing your situation in much wider context. When I see myself like that, there's a certain vibrancy, you know, which comes back into body and the mind. Like a sense of connectedness with something so much vaster than my little problems and trials You know, the inviting emergence, inviting a stepping out of the repetition of these patterns into a bigger life space. Stepping out of the hamster wheel of repetition And then, you know, for the last few minutes of the meditation, just, uh, you know, coming back to the breath. The ever changing flow of the breath, which is one of the many ways how we are in constant exchange with the biosphere. We are the biosphere. There's not a single piece or anything which doesn't come from the biosphere.